Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 147 of Fun with Cars. I'm Robin Warner, and we're not here to talk about uh, any particular racing yeah, there, or even preseason or anything. There has been no Grand Prix since your last uh, visit with us. I am Jim Lau. You are. Yeah, and this 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 podcast, uh, our Facebook regulars uh, were warned about this. This one is going to be a little bit more discussing Michael Schumacher and uh, also, as a corollary, discussing a little bit more about what happened to me, um, you know, almost 11 months ago. Actually, wait, 11 months ago tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Freaky. So by the time you hear this, time-traveling folks that follow us, then, uh, yeah, it uh, will be an 11-month uh, deal. So sort of the fun with hospitals edition, uh, that was our... Right. Uh, that was my my post. Uh, with with the emphasis on the fun this time, a little less emphasis on the hospital, at right. least for us personally. Yeah. So, because, yeah, it was February 20th when I posted the blog post about, like, you know, here's what's going on, by the way, you know, our, right. uh, the beginning of our, of our F1 season may be a little bit messed up. Um, and, uh, yeah, so so where, where do you want to start, though? I mean, I... I, I well, could... first things first, uh, I... Latest news on Michael Schumacher is that he is still in a induced coma, and that his condition is. Uh, it's it's funny how they how they write it in the news because I don't think it's quite accurate. They say stable but still critical, and doesn't seem like that really makes sense. Right, because there's critical and there's stable. Those are two different terms in hospital terms. My my own personal uh, guess is that. He's in a he's in a very uh, critical condition in the sense that is very serious injury and there's still lots to heal and lots to monitor and lots to go on, but it's stabilized. It's not getting worse in any sort of degree to worry about. So he's stable and his body is in the process of healing. And what we're going to kind of get into is a little bit more what happened to me and. I'm going to try to explain a little bit better what my healing and recovery process was to hopefully give an indication of what Michael will also go through because my recovery has been fairly complete and I definitely, definitely hope the same for him. Yeah, and it's we're in this period now where in, in the first, you know, hours and day after, you know, first we hear, okay, Michael Schumacher's been in a skiing accident, and there's, you know, he got airlifted to hospital, and, like, you sort of learn these little bits at a time, um, and so then, you know, after after sort of the first 24 hours, you know, the news story, you know, the, the facts had gotten out, okay, you know, he, he has a head injury, um, he's in a coma, and, you know, he was he's in the hospital, stable condition, uh, and then, then the news really slows down, Yeah. because at that point, you know, like, bodies just take time to do stuff right you know I mean, that's part of what we're going to talk about but it's like yeah it's just not you know people i see people online um just trying to get any little bit of information like up to the minute as though it's changing minute by minute and it seems like his family and the press releases uh and things are sort of like dude we'll tell you when something's new like right. stop bothering us for now because this is just like doctors are doing doctor stuff everyone's taking care of the, you know just basically trying to care take care of michael schumacher right now and like let his body do what it needs to do to get everything healed and, like, we'll tell you when something new happens. So it's a bit tough because you don't want to go overboard with, um, okay, what's he doing now? What's he doing now? What's he doing right. now? Because it doesn't change on that on that scale. It's not – it's just like a weeks to months kind of thing. And, by the way, that, that does not do any good for the family either. They're on um, – to 
quote my article, they're on pins and needles right now because they're watching heart rate monitors and brain pressure monitors and all sorts of other, um, you know, life, um, gosh, what's the, like, you know, the critical data of, uh, of his life systems right now. They're going to be concerned of any blips, good or bad, one way or the other. And the last thing they need is any moment where they're calming down to, <laughs> to have, you know, fans and journalists going, hey, what about now? What about now? Yeah, what I mean, about to finally now? kind of say if you spent all day or all night, you know, with someone in, in the ICU and then you finally go out to sort of, you know, to go either try to get a nap for a while or go get some food or whatever. And then there's Which like a bunch the of people. family, I can assure you, will need. Right. And then it's like, oh, then you go out to the, and there's like all photographers and interviews and whatever. So it's like, okay, first of all, you know, we, you know, neither of us have been bugging them at the Grenoble Hospital, to be, to be clear. So, um, <laughs> so we're yes. just trying to comment on it and let people understand the nature of the situation is that, you know, I'm sure we will hear when there, when there's news one way or another, but these things just take time. I mean, this is like, you know, a week's kind of thing that if we don't hear something for a week, that's not necessarily good or bad. That's just like, it just takes time and things need to, need to happen. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause of course with, with F1 especially, but you know, all kind you know, there's, there's, there's gossip and there's rumors and there's oh Bernie Ecclestone said this and oh, what about this? Like things happen so quickly. Right. And this is not that this is a body healing. And that, that is just a very different time scale on kind of how things happen. We're not measuring in thousands here. So on February 7th in the afternoon in California, I was, um, just more or less kind of hanging out, uh, while a photo shoot was happening for the magazine I work at road and track magazine. And, my last memory of uh, what was going on was uh, taking a look at them, taking the photos, and then wandering off um, to just kind of look around because we're in this kind of mountain vista area um, west of Los Angeles. My next memory, my next uh, any moment of awareness, I open my eyes and I'm surrounded by people mostly my family, looking back at me. I'm very tired. And time passes in between, and I don't know how much. And all that. I had some dreams. I have memories of dreams and things like that. But it was basically an instant of time between me looking at this photo shoot happening in this canyon area and me being in a hospital having people looking at me. What I didn't know... Uh, at the time, and I seriously, I didn't know, I didn't know the date until the end of the month. So this happened on February 7th. Someone told me the date on like February 28th. And I said, what? Yeah. It's the 28th? You missed Valentine's Day? <laughs> yeah, I was the most sad about that. Right. And uh, so I was in a coma for two weeks. Mine was induced just like Michael's was or is. Uh couple things uh, this is this is just kind of to set people up for where my situation was i was um at one point pronounced clinically dead um apparently that was for about four minutes and that was uh, i believe in the helicopter ride to the hospital um the night i was the night i was there i was immediately put into uh, a major surgery um to uh, relieve cranial pressure, and that was my only surgery until 11 days later when they uh, put a bunch of titanium in, uh, well, no, they put titanium in the first surgery the night of, 
and the second surgery they fixed my Lafort 3 fracture, which is basically a fracture of my face um, behind my eyeballs. And um, so I now have uh, several pieces of titanium in my head. I have one um, just past either eye um, that helped hold my skull together with the Lafort 3 fracture. And then I also have some uh, titanium holding my skull together. Uh, it was broken in several places, although not technically a compound fracture because none of it pierced the skin. Um, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I was... Uh, you got to ride in a helicopter, but you have no memory of it. I've got I'm still zero stuck on that. memory of the helicopter ride, I mean, which frustrates me to no end. I mean, besides the fact that you were actually dead for four minutes of it, <laughs> which is just kind of hard to get my head around because I'm sitting you know, here talking to you. It does feel like it's an like, excuse. Well, no, I mean, like, do you remember the time when you were dead? Like, no, well, no, you don't. But that, that's freaking weird. I, when I first heard, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Right. Yeah, I mean, it was told to me in a, such a nonchalant way. It was like, uh, he's like, so you were clinically dead for four minutes. I was like, uh, come again. He's right. like, yeah, right here. It says on the helicopter, you were totally unresponsive. I'm like, well, I, sorry. I don't, okay. He's like, no, you're better now. I'm like, okay. But anyway. So, <laughs> Am I still dead? No, you're good now. Okay, good. Thanks. What, I, what do you say to that? That's freaky, man. Between yeah. my last memory uh, of before the accident and my first memory after the accident, immediately afterwards, um, what, what, no one saw me fall. And I obviously have no memory of it. But I fell off the bridge. And... Um, the best we can anyone can guess is that uh, I was leaning to take a photo and my foot slipped or a, or something startled me or whatever and that caused me to tumble. Um, I I fell 38 feet and um, I it, it looks like I was slowed down a little bit at the end by some brush, but then I was slowed down very suddenly by big rocks in the stream, and uh, that certainly did some damage to my. It's my head and my face. So of all the dangerous things that you've done I, from I know I, I mean uh, auto racing, you know, chesting cars, driving at whatever speeds and you know, in closed courses and with safety with helmets and all this stuff. Right. And of all the crazy dangerous things Michael Schumacher has done. I mean I racing know. Formula One cars like for years and years and years and racing motorcycles and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean it's that's the the weird thing uh, about this and sort of that parallel is just that it's not you know, like the first thing is like, oh, Robin, you know, Robin's been in an accident and he's injured. It's like, well, you know, was he driving a car? You're like, he's sort of just, of course he was driving a car. That's what Robin does. And like, that's a really right. dangerous thing. And it's like, no, he was on a bridge and somehow he was no longer on that bridge. We right. don't even know why. No one knows why. But uh, so I think what's most pertinent right now is to, to spend just a little bit of time discussing that first two weeks, the time I was in the coma. Right. The first the first night that they got me in, they put me into the emergency surgery, and the truth of the matter is there was no guarantee that I was going to live to see the next day. And some people were surprised that I'd lived in any way uh, to get to the hospital. So I guess being clinically dead isn't fully dead. I don't know exactly the terms, to be honest. I haven't totally looked into it. It's yeah. not my favorite thing to research. Yeah, it's kind of a weird... Yeah, but anyway, so it was it was very dire, and so my family, of course, was in Michigan. I was in California, and they got the news. Hey, um, he may or may not make it. You might want to come. So they came, and then what happened? It, it's very similar to what happened to Schumacher. As a couple days went on, they said, "Okay, doesn't look like um, brain swelling." 
pressure build in the brain is going to kill them. We, we've, we've arrested that. So this is no longer life-threatening. Um, there was a few days concern of a freshwater pneumonitis, which is basically, it's very akin to pneumonia. Yeah. And at the time, and at my state, that was also considered a, a life-threatening problem. But I got through that because apparently just had to breathe good. You prefer the saltwater pneumonitis. They're much more colorful. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and lighter, lighter, uh, fresher hmm. tasting. Anyway, uh, so I got through that. But it, basically what it was was few days of cranial pressure and how is, how is my body and the hospital going to manage the cranial pressure because that's the fatal part of these types of injuries. Right, just swelling in your you know, of your brain in your head. And it's like, where, where is it going to go? Exactly. Right. And that's the epidermal hematoma part is if there's bleeding and bruising within your skull, it's not like a limb or anything. There's not veins there to just carry it around really efficiently. It, it needs, it needs to be a pressure free zone. Right. So anyway, so I literally, uh, it's hard to tell in the photo and road track that they picked, but I literally had a big tube coming out of the top of my head and I had a, a basically what I call a barometer. I had a cranial cranial pressure monitor that they checked constantly. So think, you know, fuel pressure gauge on yeah. on a fuel rail here. Right, right, exactly. And the purpose of the induced coma, and I'm 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 very very confident this is also the case for Michael Schumacher. The purpose of the induced coma is to limit brain activity as much as possible. Not to zero, obviously but to limit it to as little as possible because this is the most critical time that his body and what my body was doing is healing to fix this bleeding, to kind of recover from the surgery in a way that doesn't cause any more bleeding, but is stable. And they keep a very close eye on cranial pressure in that process. And that dictates how long the coma lasts. The coma is... Basically, as long as it necessary for the body to fix what broke and to kind of start coming back to life and being more active without building cranial pressure. Yeah. That, for me, took 11 days. So for Michael Schumacher, he's at day 8, 9, depending on exactly how you look at this. I think the accident originally happened a week ago, Saturday. Yeah. Um, mine was 11 days. I... Instantly, just for the briefest moment, came out of the coma. I did come conscious, just barely. And they immediately put me under again for another set of surgeries. And I was out for three more days. That's where we get to two weeks. Hmm. So it dictates... So the cranial pressure dictates the surgery. And uh, the drug I was on, and I'm willing to bet the drug that Mr. Schumacher is on, is propofol. It's probably some fancy Swiss version of it, but, you know, similar. Yeah. Exactly. Fancy Swiss version of propofol. Probably tastes better. Um, very powerful drug. Very, very powerful. So um, once, once I came out of the coma, coming out of the coma is, in my mind, it was hard to wrap my head around because coming out of the coma meant that I was still going to want to sleep 20 to 22 hours a day. <laughs> right. Which you think about is a lot of a day. and uh, Which sounds awesome at times. It's like, oh, you're going to sleep all the time. But So everything you've said 
for about this is you learned all this because you don't learned after the fact any That's right. of, any of this at all. So what yeah. what do you when do you like actually have your own memories of this? Is this after the after the the uh, the what, ten days or the uh, the two weeks of the total? I mean, when what do you actually remember? Any, you know, yeah, are we well, not there yet? No, that's what that's it's, it's very po- uh, pertinent question. I I remember certain things. I think very soon after I awoke from the coma. Like, why is everybody looking at me? Right. Like, why is everyone looking at me? But I think I think the truth of the matter is I remember very tiny little bits early on. And over time, as I became more lucid and aware, all those memories got mashed in together to kind of one string of thoughts. So, for example, I remember three dreams. Two of those three dreams were in my grandparents' old house. And I was just kind of running around um, being a grandson in their house. And one of them I remember... Well, those dreams, I remember worrying, being worried about a bee sting. And uh, so my very first thought when he came out of the coma was that I must have been stung by a bee badly. <laughs> which, that, that is a hell of a bee. Yeah, which, you know, it's a touch minor when you think about it. But the third dream I had was uh, I was in the airport with my mother. And this was not any airport I could describe. It was just generic airport location. And I was waiting for Anne-Marie, my wife, to land um, so that we could take her wherever. And I had this dream, and I kept saying to my mom, Mom, where's Anne-Marie? I thought her plane was supposed to land by now. And my mom, in the dream, kept saying, uh, uh, Anne-Marie will be back soon. All you need to know right now is that I love you very much. I, and then time passes and things go on. Okay. I go, all right, yeah, mom, that's great, but yeah, it's been great. a while now. But come on. Where's, where's my wife? And she would just repeat what she's saying. Yeah, Amory will be back soon. All you need to know is that um, I love you very much. And on and on. So several weeks pass. This is a bit of an aside. And I told my mom about these dreams that I had. And she goes, oh, my God, there was a night that you were tossing and turning, not Sleeping, but not sleeping. Yeah. And I kept telling you in a very calm voice, calm voice, because you kept saying, "Where's Amory? Where's Amory?" I kept saying to you, "Amory will be back soon. All you need to know is that I love you very much." So, that's one of those kind of like eerie things. Yeah. The conversation was real. It was happening. It became a dream in my mind. So, point is, getting back to the broad point, I remember those three dreams, and I have these tiny little bits and pieces of when I was awake and things happening when I was awake. But it really wasn't until the end of February, which puts us at three, three and a half weeks, Mm. that I start having enough memory of things that I could put them together in any kind of order. Right. And make rude gestures at your brother. No, that happened. I don't, I don't have any memory of that. (laughs) So there's, there's this story of uh, when I first came to, they were asking me if, I knew I was in a hospital, and I lied and said yes. And they asked me if I knew why I was in a hospital, and I lied, and I said yes. I got stung by me, obviously. <laughs> it was... And uh, anyway, they they were asking me to, they were asking me uh, how many fingers they were holding up, and I would answer by holding up the fingers again myself. 
And so my family was there's all, like tubes in your face and all like uh, you know all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah, I was. I had what they call a trach. On your jaw was like wired shut at this point too, wasn't it? Yes. Or who knows? Yes. Anyway, was, was you were not in shot. a condition to talk. Right. And so anyway, um, uh, they asked me. They said, "How many fingers am I holding?" Up? They were holding up one. I gave a thumbs up, like they're holding one. And my kid brother sarcastically says, "Robin, that's not a finger. That's a thumb." So I switched from my thumb to the middle finger at my brother. And that was apparently a huge moment for all of them because it meant that I knew where my brother was. I knew that it was him talking and blah, blah. So it was like, that was like the moment when I was a jerk. That was the moment. They're like, Robin's back. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm a jerk. And that's how people know me. Right. I mean, not as, not as you're a jerk, <laughs> but that's because that, that's the thing. Is, okay, first, the, the first thing, it's like, okay, is Robin going to make it? And then, like you said, after after the first, you know, like sort of the week and a half, and then it's like, okay, it's, you know, that's sort of the critical but stable or then it goes into just stable yeah. condition then it's like okay so you know he's alive and he can breathe and you know if we squeeze his hand he can squeeze back so like something works in his brain but we don't know if like that's it if right it's like okay here's this guy that doesn't know anything and can't talk or can't see or you know like and so every little bit of oh wow okay like he opened his eyes like okay that means there's a lot going on behind the scenes <laughs> but when it's like but when you get down to like flicking off your brother i'm like oh dude that's robin in there <laughs> like okay so he's still got you know, like his jaws wired shut and whatever but it's like he's in there somewhere cool yeah. so that was that was a big step i that mean it sounds it. stupid but you know it uh, at least tells you that there's there's you know the, the personalities in there or whatever and it's like okay so you know your 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 you know wrist is all broken apart at this point too which is I all was, part of the deal but it's like okay that stuff will get better but at i least was Robin's told that my inside. wrist was basically they said that my radial bone which is the bone that broke in my wrist was basically dust quote unquote which i have a hard time believing that it was i think it was at least coarse dust dust like big pieces of dust not small ones but whatever i i do have a working wrist again um so anyway, yeah, that that was a first period, and then as I as I got more awake and more lucid, um, I was able to start improving, and that coincided with them slowly but surely lifting copious amounts of medication off of me, and um, but things really start coming together, and I really started feeling like myself again. Um, not in California, but in uh, Denver at this hospital called Craig Hospital, which is apparently one of the United States' leading re- rehabilitation hospitals. Um, it was it was a hard place for me to be because what was weird about my case, I, I, the best I can gather, was that no one expected me to do as well as I did, and so they wanted to treat me way more like a patient than I wanted to be treated. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm sympathetic to their plight, and I get it, um, but that more than anything, that period of time was me slowly but surely becoming aware of how serious my injury was and all the things that my family went through. It wasn't a bee sting after all. It was not a bee sting. I, so in order, I thought, okay, I got stung by a bee, and I thought, well, maybe it was in the back of my neck, and that's why this is a big pain in the ass. Then I thought a few days later, I was like, no, no. I must have been in a car accident. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to um, do laps in uh, a Viper and a Mercedes SLS the next day. Right. And I'm like, oh, no, that next day happened. I offed one of the cars on the track in a bad way. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case either. So uh, then that's when I started learning what happened. So with with Michael... um, with with any luck, 
his brain is uh, now his brain, brain and his skull and his nervous system and his cardiovascular system, it's all very busy piecing together his head again and stabilizing everything so that his brain can function on its own without building any pressure. That's basically what uh, they're looking for. And once that happens, once his brain hits a low enough number on the uh, barometer, I'll call it, that's when they can start lifting him off the drugs and pulling him off the coma. And then, then that's when a lot of questions have to get answered about, okay, there was definitely brain damage. I had, I had brain damage. I, to this day, definitely still have brain damage. I lost brain tissue. I lost brain cells. There was brain damage. However, there is a big difference between physical brain damage and actual loss of function. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to lose, at least what people tell me, I was very lucky to lose very little of that. And I have, uh, I have what they call an intermittent slowing of my right temporal lobe. Which, oh, I mean, yeah, that's your excuse for everything. I, I don't know if that's. <laughs> I have that, and I have obviously some spots where they're supposed to be brain cells where they're not. But in general, I've so found far those that... aren't ones that you're using too much yeah. apparently. So yeah. well, that's good. So uh, th- there's still a lot of question marks for uh, Mr. Schumacher, but there's still, in my view, lots of hope that once once the body is finished with the most critical part of the healing, which is going on right now, that uh, they'll find that while his physical brain suffered some, that his actual function uh, was minimally affected. Yeah, if we see a news story about Michael flicking off Ralph Schumacher, like, we're we're in good shape. Because it's like, my brother, being a wise guy, you know what, you know, that then it, I think he tells us, okay, that, that you know, he's, he's still in there. Cause yeah. Anyone, when, you know, if Ralph Schumacher's in your hotel, sorry, hotel, hospital room, it's probably like, hey, you know what? If there's some story of Ralph Schumacher saying, Michael, that's not a finger, that's a thumb, I will start getting worried. I'm like, this is paralleling my (laughs) stuff just a little too much. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there is still tons of question marks and... I'm certainly not here to make any assumptions that Michael Schumacher is going to be fine. But please, please, please use me as an example of someone that can sustain a serious injury like this and get through it. And what I want to stress is that when I grew up, when I was a kid, my parents, I would say, fed me quite well. I ate my vegetables and so on and so forth. And I was very active. I was a very healthy kid. As I grew up, I did what many adults do. I got more, um, I got, uh, I was more of a sedated person. You know, I let's call I, it comfortable. <laughs> I was more sedentary. I was more comfortable. I was a little more round than I used to be and so on and so forth. But overall I was still in, you know, fairly solid shape. I still ran, um, and things like that. So I was in reasonable shape. Michael Schumacher, I'm certain, is in much better shape uh, than I was when my accident happened. I'm certain of that. And does that matter? I think that plays a huge role. I was not told after the fact, 
oh, it's because that you ran 5Ks that you're okay. It's not like that, but uh, there's there's no doubt that uh, a healthy and active body is much better at repairing itself. And there weren't there weren't a tons of other there weren't tons of other complications that it was dealing with already before the brain injury. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think the uh, I think Michael Schumacher's physical condition uh, plays a huge plays a huge role in his chance for success. And um, so, uh, with that, I guess specifically with the Michael Schumacher stuff, that's you know more mostly what I'm trying to say is that there's hope there. Um, so he's in really good shape. Yeah. Uh, on the downside, though, he is right-handed. I, I I thought about bringing this up, and I was like, I don't know, but okay. Hey, as an all-lefty <laughs> podcast, we, we might as well mention that there are a couple physiological oddities about left-handed folks, with connections between the left and right sides of the brain, and like lots of connections and you know the way that we deal with things. Um, there may be a more technical explanation that you can add. So I was at Craig Hospital with my neuropsychologist, and he was kind of telling me that it's it's quite good and quite impressive that I've lost, you know, basically effectively no functionality that they can find. And one of the things that I was told was that a good reason why may be that I'm left-handed. And the reason why that is is because left-handed folks tend to have um, more um, connections between their right and left hemisphere. Um, So, you know, your brain's two sections, the right hemisphere, the left hemisphere. Um, They say the left-handed people are more co-dominant, which means there's more connections between the two. So uh, basically that means if my right side is damaged a bit, it's more likely that my left side can pick up the slack and help in those things, and functionally uh, I can continue. Um, that in no mean, by no means means that uh, Michael Schumacher is not going to have any success. It was just something that happened to be there to help me out. It's a theory and nothing more than that, but it, it's a fun one to have. Um, the only, the other thing that they did say to me is like, well, you're young. And I'm like, well, I'm not that young. I'm 34 now. I was 33 when it happened, but I, I, I am younger than, uh, Michael is. Um, but again, I think if you look at age like fitness guru, gurus do and look at your, um, your health age, I'm sure Michael is in, in great shape and has huge, huge chances here. So I, I really hope that this podcast serves as a, as a place for people to uh, have hope for Michael. But um, uh, with that said, uh, I did, we did, uh, it is, I guess you could say, time for listener feedback. (laughs) We did, I did ask if people had any questions for me about my injury. And uh, of course, Jim, if you have any questions that you want to ask me, please feel free to as well. I mean, we've talked about this and I just have kind of random wise guy stuff to say about it. Uh, which, so, you know, which we all, we all uh, have our own uh, ways of doing these things. Um, so, <laughs> so at the time, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how different um, your experience of this whole thing is than the rest of us, yeah. you know, and of course, and of course, you know, for your wife and for your mom and your, you know, your brothers and whatever, like obviously very different even for mine, but um, just from, you know, these little bits of news of like, Okay, Robin has been in a, has been in an accident, and I'm like, what does that mean? And then up yeah. till you know, you know, okay, he can move his you know his eyes and his hands, and okay, he said something. And then when you called me, I was like, dude, oh my god, that's what, you know. <laughs> so it's 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 wild to see you know from your point of view um, when you're like, yeah, I was walking on this bridge, and then I'm in the hospital, and everyone's looking at me. But you never you said it never never like hurt really. Like you had to deal with yeah. the recovery, but there was never like, yeah, I was hurt in this thing, which is kind of wild to me, um, that, 
it's like through all this that the way you know modern medicine and whatever is it, it wasn't really like a pain thing so much as just kind of like here's what's going on with your body and here's what we need to deal with and you had to like work through all the you know the physical you know therapy and whatever and then all the all the tests and different things that they yeah. do to, just to make sure that like like we think your brain's okay but we need to find if there's one part of it that doesn't work we want to find that before yeah. it turns out that it's turning left at high speed and then you find that out when you have to turn left at high speed or something so there was like all these tests to like if there's a part of your brain not working let's try to find that right which right. I, as i gather just became frustrating when you're like dude i'm fine i can do all these things <laughs> everyone's just like trying to find what's wrong with you and you know didn't really find it there were yeah there were definitely moments where i was like guys okay come on give me a break cuz there were definitely things like we want to see if you're comfortable in society so I, so I was like, so you're having me go order coffee? Yeah. It's like, okay, it's like, but okay, but if I can order coffee, I'm comfortable then? And we're like, well, maybe. It's like, uh, okay, but if I can't <laughs> order coffee, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, okay. I, I'd like a coffee. Good, good. Okay. So I'm good? No. No. <laughs> exactly. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it is. It is fine. And that was, honestly, that, that's been the most revealing thing about reading about what Michael is going through, um, seeing much more the day-to-day real-time phenomena of what my family and friends like you, Jim, were going through to to hear something really bad happened, okay, this crazy thing's happened, this is this, this is this, and then just, then it's blank. Then there's there's nothing to talk about, and you have to like you're literally waiting right. for the tiniest little bits of good news. And when you say in your in your re, you know recount of it, it's you know that ten days later this happened. But it's like during those ten days, those are ten long freaking days, <laughs> yeah. you know. Because yeah. then it's like you know you, you know the rest of us, it's like to some extent you know like your family is right there and travel to California and stuff. But it's like the rest of us, I'm like I'm just you know trying to like go to work and do my thing and you know like and you're sitting there you know, with a you know really bad back problems in, in the meantime so yeah you, I, you had a whole happened to have a tumor in my spine at the moment yeah. but that's not really the point here uh that that got dealt with so i was in pain at the time which is partly why this whole thing was kind of weird i was you know anyway, yeah. awake at four o'clock in the morning when this all happened it was yeah. weird times for both of us anyway but um so you know it's 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 weird if you you know we're in that period now with, with, with Michael. And it's, it's interesting to me that this has given you that perspective uh, of kind of like, you know, everyone's freaking out about it and you want, Oh, I want the news up to the minute. And, you know, and it's like, it, it is, you know, natural to want to know what's happening. It's like, yeah. is he okay now? Is he okay now? And it's like, you have to really separate that from the rational, like, you know, we're going to hear something when we hear something, it just does take time. Like you say, they're just letting his body do its thing. It's probably good at it because it's in really good shape and so yes. on. But it's just like, takes freaking time and then and then the first news we're going to get um is probably is not going to be the whole story it's going to be something is different and very, we don't know very far from is, is he going to be fine is he going to be you know what's going to work what's not going to work you know mentally and physically and whatever it's like that just takes so much time until you really know that so as, you saying that though actually did remind me of something and i i'd say this mostly as a mostly as a don't get your hopes up too much which is odd to say because that's Hardly where everybody's at, but um, when when this originally happened, they told my family best case scenario I would be in the hospital for a year. That was the best right. case scenario. Um, I was in the hospital for less than two and a half months. So you've beat pole position. I did, but the 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 point is is take take everything for what it is. Send Michael. As, as as positive of a, a of of a vibe as you can, and I'm and I'm dead serious about this. This might seem like 
silly to some people, but I, I mean, there was obviously much more local than what Michael's going through, but there was a huge crowd of, of, of folks that really, that heard about my accent and really came together and really just sent good vibes my way. And I think it helped me, um, indirectly, um, it, well, well, directly in the kind of newbie sense, I think all that positive energy helped me, but much more indirectly because all those people sending positive energy my way made my wife so much stronger. And my wife was absolutely incredible through this whole thing. So dedicated, so amazing. My entire family really was fantastic, hugely dedicated. And then uh, I had a lot of um, really good friends come out and show me show me tons of love and and i'm 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 confident that that made a big difference so if you want to help michael that's that's the best way to do it um but uh anyway i i don't want to dig too deep a hole here we asked on facebook if anyone had any questions for me and a few people did respond right away so i'm going to get to those now um I can be the voice of our listeners okay. that are following us. So in chronological order, Paul Peard, first out of the gate. Robin, I think that's pretty brave, putting your story out there. I guess one question for me is what was the turning point in your recovery? Was there an event or milestone that made you think, this is going to be okay? No, uh, is the answer to that. Uh, there was uh, the, the most pivotal moment event in this whole uh, diatribe nonsense that I went through was getting up and going to the bathroom and catching my head in the mirror. First of all, my head was shaved, and I was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> That's weird, yeah. <laughs> Second of all, I had a massive, massive scar that basically started at the front of my hairline, went all the way back to the right side, and came back around above my ear and ended just in front of my ear. And... I must have stared at it for 15, 20 minutes. Just, yeah. Just poke, not poking at it, but looking at it and feeling it. And just, that was, that was just a, a, a big, huge, stark moment of, holy goodness, this, this is a big scar. This is real. So that, that, wasn't, that, that was... ended the, that ended the B theory. <laughs> 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 um, so, so that was the biggest moment of, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but no, really, every everything else it, from the moment I was awake and had any amount of awareness what was going on, I kept telling everybody else, "I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay." It's like, Stop making a big fuss. Exactly. Yes. And I'm like, "I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay." Get me home. Get me back to what I want to do. And it really was the just a process of convincing everybody else that I was okay. Right. And I, I mean. It, to hear you talk about it back then is is kind of funny anyway. I mean, we do obviously we had you um we did a show the yeah. the um, Australian and Malaysian actually. Right. With my jaw wired shut. And so that was March 17th. Yeah. Um and about 6 weeks in. And I think as you described it, you know, through the, your still wired shut jaw, you're like, "Yeah, I took a took a nasty spill." <laughs> and now I'm whatever. So it's like you had, I don't know, not really denial, but just kind of had this weird way of like thinking about it and whatever and you know i guess um you know i don't know how how much you'd you know you know given up on the b theory at that point or whatever um but it's the b theory was dead at that oh, point okay. <laughs> you know so you, so to hear it yeah from your side compared to what the rest of it so it's like you know you're sort of whether it's underselling it or not you know wanting to think about it or you know 
talk about it a certain way or, or just kind of believe it or whatever. But uh, so, so was there like a, a turning point of, of happiness though? I mean, I guess that's a turning point and that you understand like, you're like, wow, this was, this, this was crazy and this was real. But I mean, it seems like the recovery was such this, like, it was just like following steps and processes yeah. more so than like things are bad. Oh, bam. Now things are good. It's like very much. I mean, basically the way it worked was, and I think this is just kind of how my personality is. I'm, I'm the type of person that is never satisfied. I say, man, I'd be really satisfied, satisfied if I had a hundred dollars and someone gives me a hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, that's not the way I wanted to earn a hundred dollars. Now I need to earn a thousand and I earn a thousand. I go, yeah, but when I earned that thousand, I got this help from this other guy. I didn't really, really want to do it on my own. So now I got to do 10,000. You know what I mean? What I really want is a BMW M3. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, now I'm satisfied. Now I'm done. No, but the, the point is, uh, that that's just kind of how I work. I always find reasons to not be satisfied with something and move on to the next thing. Well, that happened to be really helpful here because I would be able to walk again. It was like, sweet, I can walk again. And seriously, the next day I'm like, all right, I want to be able to do this. And so really it was just a matter – my awareness, the, my big push was like I want this wire jaw off me as fast as possible. I had what's called an external fixator on my wrist. I wanted that off as fast as possible. Then I wanted to be able to do this and then the, do this and do this and do this. And the big the big one that I have a lot of awareness of was finally being medically cleared to drive again. That yeah. was a that was a real big moment. Um, but uh, my my wife uh, claims that I was happier when I could walk again, which I have no memory of. So it's so, her word against mine. Sounds reasonable, though. It seems reasonable. I mean, walking is how you get to your car. So <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, so Neil Popham, the um, the prediction stud, says, having seen the picture of you on the bridge, my first thought was, how the hell did you manage to fall over that barrier? Yeah. So uh, the, the way the way the way it was described to me, and then having seen it for myself, is you know there is the base of that barrier is much farther forward than where it is basically almost to waist high, and so there's a good you know eight inches of space between if if you trip your foot there's a good eight inches of falling before that waist high barrier would grab you and uh one of the theories is is that something slipped made me lose my footing and then there was enough momentum to take me right over um but the my my most recent theory is that i was sitting on that barrier Mm. and then something startled me because just looking at the photos i was taking the last photo i took versus the actual view um, that was a theory that uh, Amory seems to think makes sense. Which, by the way, quick note on the iPhone, how many people have dropped their phone like six inches onto like a <laughs> tile floor and had the screen shatter? And yet this guy 38 feet. has his nasty spill. Your iPhone was fine. It was, it was totally fine. It was fine. in your pocket. Like, how? No, I mean, they they were like, here's your wallet. It was ruined. Here's this. This was ruined. Here's your arm. It was ruined. Here's your head. Here's your ruined. iPhone. And like, I'm like, oh, here's your phone. Oh, no, it's fine. It's totally <laughs> fine. It was like, wow. How in the, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, um, Neil goes on to say, so we don't, we don't, okay, I guess the, we don't know. Obviously, no one knows. No one knows. Probably never will, but there's, yeah. there's theories, but whatever. 
Um, but it was, you know, looking at it, it was a concrete barrier. And if anyone is wondering what the, the articles and the pictures we're talking about, there will be a link in the show notes to the story on Road and Track. Um, it's also been posted on our Facebook page and whatnot. Uh, and if you go to Fun With Cars and look at the comments for this episode, there'll be a link to it in there. So you can see some the picture of Robin at the bridge and uh, and Robin all totally messed up looking in the hospital and so on, which was all we had to go on for a while. Keep that in mind. You know, <laughs> we didn't have the like, oh, I'm sitting I'm across sorry. from you talking about it now. I didn't know people actually liked me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, Neil continues. Um, I'd like to know whether you feel that you have made 100% recovery and whether the event has changed your outlook on life. Has it changed my outlook on life? It had to. Uh, I think about my accident all the time. All the time. It, any little thing comes up, and I instantly relate it to my time in the hospital or my time in the accident, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just, it's always a presence in my mind. There's times when I'm not thinking about anything at all, and it just pops in. So it certainly changes what I think about. And I was always very quick. The one thing I defend is people say, oh, you must uh, have an appreciation for life now and stuff like that. I'm like, no, no. I, like, oh, I appreciate life more. You know, oh, you must be really happy to be alive. It's like, no, I was always happy to be alive. I always appreciated life. I always wanted to get the most out of life. So no, no, that didn't change. But I think that ultimately that has to be wrong. I think subconsciously I must be uh, at some point more driven because well I'll give you a very silly and real example I've been I've been dieting and I've been eating a lot better than I ever have before and I've lost weight so you know objects, that's the, objects of different weight fall at the same speed though are you familiar with uh, I mean there's air resistance but it's not I don't know if that's really going to have the desired I'm 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 not um I'm fortunately uh, not planning on testing that theory oh, okay. anytime soon, but uh, yeah. So just trying to look out for you. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I I, I think uh, I think that's definitely changed my outlook on life, and um, I think he said something about a hundred percent recovered. Yeah. Do you feel like you made a hundred percent recovery? No, I know I haven't. There's moments where I don't feel like I'm thinking of things quite as quickly. Uh, for example, I'll say, Oh God, what was that word? It was just my head. I always did that, but I feel like it happens just a little bit more often. I feel like everybody does that. You know, I I I mean, that's That's... the tip of your tongue. Like, who's that guy in that movie? Where do I know this guy or whatever? I know. And it, it, there's just, it happens slightly more often. That's what's frustrating. And exactly what you're saying. I was like, well, is that just me being me or is that a result of something? Right. But I guess having this on your mind, then as you say, sort of nearly constantly or just, you know, daily thinking about is probably easy to for you to go to like oh this is probably because my brain was jacked up and whatever so yeah it's an excuse um and also uh my vision is is quite good and i'm 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 really very very lucky to have everything i have but it's not my vision isn't quite 100 percent. and uh exactly how that's gonna how if, if that's just something i'm gonna live with or if that's gonna be resolved there's been talk of uh, you know even more surgeries potentially so yeah but uh so no am i 100 percent recovered no but i'm working again you've done a darn good job i have yeah. to say i mean you're <laughs> testing cars like you're driving yeah. cars to the limit and just beyond you yeah. know to get the industry standard performance numbers and to say how fast can this car go well robin got it this fast so that's how fast yeah. it goes and i've done some lapping again and things like that so yeah yeah 
So, well, that's excellent. Um, you know, that I feel like the stuff that, that matters, I mean, if you're able to keep moving yourself forward in ways that, you know, you make you happy and driving obviously being a huge one. I mean, that was yes. we were saying we were talking about uh, a whole lot. I mean, just for, you know, it's, it's part of just who you are and, you know, what, yeah. you know, what you need to do to just, you know. It's like what 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 good is existing if you can't drive and whatever. It's like <laughs> exactly. not to you know not to overstate it, but yeah. Anyway, so that that you're able to do all that and and you know just basically live a normal life. I mean, is a huge step for a lot of people and uh, with his kind of injuries and whatever. So to uh, to get back where you are is is, uh, is awesome. I think. Thank you. And uh, you know, good good work on that. Um, John Chu, Robin, longtime listener. You gave my Trek NSX a shout out two years ago. So another still tra- love the I NSX. Mean, Trek NSX, come on. That's still that's, still fantastic. I want to give another of- shout out now. Shout out to any NSX that is taken on a racetrack, especially John Chu's, because it's awesome. Good call. Um, read your post in RNT and thought it was an incredibly classy move on your part to give hope to Shumi's family and fans. Good on you. Any continuing after slash side effects today, or has it been one hundred percent similar? Very similar question to the previous one. Yeah, I, and, and you know it. Basically, I, I I more or less want to say it's 100% with a couple of caveats, and that's the best way to think about it. And um, I really, seriously, John, I, I, I incredibly appreciate uh, you calling it a class classy move. Uh, my story on road track, it was it was is remarkably it was the fastest thing I've ever written in a lot of ways. So in that sense, it was very easy to write, but it was also one of the hardest things to write. Mm. I wrote it um I wrote it uh the day before I wrote it on the thirtieth of December. So it was the it was a couple of days after Schumacher's accident and I was supposed to be on vacation relaxing and it was so heavy on my mind. Right. And uh and my biggest fear when I wrote it was coming off like I'm trying to show off or brag or something in the midst of something going on with Schumacher. And thankfully, thankfully no one's, no one felt about it that way. And I think the fact that I was concerned about it was probably my, <laughs> probably kept me from having it be that way maybe. But anyway, so John, I, I seriously appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm very nice of you to say it, say that. Uh, another lovely comment from Desislava Jaleva. Uh, not really a question, but we were all so relieved and happy to hear you again. I found the fun with hospitals post of Jim pretty terrifying. Uh, with regards to Shumi's accident, I think the journalists have been extremely intrusive, bothering his family and his doctors at the worst possible moment. Your article is the only thoughtful piece I've read on the topic in the last nine days. Uh, again, that's that's hugely thank, uh, hugely appreciated, hugely appreciated. Uh, there I go with words. Um, and uh, yeah, I, the Schumacher family is going through hell right now. Just give them a minute, everybody. Just. Exactly. They'll tell us when there's news. Exactly. Right? I mean... Exactly. Schumacher's manager is there. Sabine, I forget her last name, is there. She will relate things. Right. And uh, so I'm I'm comfortable with that. And the best thing that any fan of Schumacher can do is what I said earlier, is send good vibes. But absolutely leave the family be this is the moment these are the times when being a celebrity is a bad thing right this is the bad part of it and so uh, to hear that and to hear that my article was appreciated that's that that makes me feel really good and i and i really appreciate that what i would love (laughs) I, i i i would love uh my article to 
convince everyone to chill out and give the give the family the space they need to to heal just like Michael himself needs to heal. Right. Well, we appreciate that sentiment. Uh, another comment from uh, Paul Bryant. Thanks, Robin. Looking forward to hearing more about your, quote, little spill. Yes. He remembered <laughs> that. Um, thanks to Shumi, there's been a lot to keep F1 fans busy during the winter break. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just sort of, uh, you know, echoes all of our sentiments. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, I obviously, uh, you know, have known about your story and we've talked, you know, a bunch of times. I mean, obviously, we get you, together for F1 and we talk about You knew about, about my story long before I knew about right. my story. I mean, that's the weird part. So it's like hearing your side of it and all that. So I just, you know, I, I guess I, I echo what uh, what our, our fans are saying and, uh, uh, you know, and replying. And obviously, this was, uh, you know, only a, only a couple hours. We probably have other uh, other people have other questions and comments and things to add. So uh, we'll see. We'll probably, you know, be able to reply on, on Facebook, whatever, if you guys have any other, uh, you know, questions or, or thoughts or comments or whatever. But, uh you know, it's I. You know, I appreciate you sort of you know sharing this with us and uh, with with the world. And uh, hopefully, if it's if it's you know if anyone can take have you know to have a, a takeaway from it and uh, in some kind of good way in terms of just you know how to how to you know kind of just deal with this and the timing and and the you know whatever have, you know being hopeful and whatever. And you know, it's it's a tough thing with you know doctors and predictions and and medical things. You know, it's yeah. no doctor. Um, it's, it's, it's not about like, you know, nobody wants to give false hope or false sadness when you, everything you want to say as a doctor, if you're going to say, you know, you can't say this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. It's just things, you know, it's just, you know, organisms and and medical stuff. And it's, it's all, it's sort of like, so you want to have, you know, predictions to just try to say, you know, we expect this is going to happen. Maybe this, maybe, you know, maybe the swelling will happen and this will, you know, these are what we're going to look for. But, you know, really it's, it's not about. You know, people are probably asking, is he going to make a full recovery? Is he going to be fine? Is he going to be brain damaged? It's like, dude, this is not, none of that, asking any of those questions is not helpful. I mean, I think we can safely assume that, like, he's getting the best care available, um, that, you know, people that know what they're doing are working on it and us asking questions. It's not like, you know, someone's going to go to the doctor and be like, oh, did you check this, whatever? And the doctor's going to be like, oh, that's a good idea. I should go check that. So it's like basically just assume he's being taken care of. And yes. his family is doing everything they can to just, you know, deal with this and be as supportive as possible and all that. And by and, the way, they're not doing this on a budget. Right. So that's thankfully, you know, that he'll be able to afford it. if there's a, a facility somewhere in the world that's the best place for doing whatever he needs doing that he can get there and whatever is, is you know, that's where the celebrity is helpful, I guess, is having, you know, the resource to. Uh, yeah. To, I was thinking more of doing. the wealth, but absolutely. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, kind of hand in hand there. But. Um, so it's like, you know, you, you want to say you want a doctor. I mean, what we all want is for a doctor to come out and say, yeah, he's going to be fine. It's going to be totally good. But like no doctor can say that because you don't know. Right. So it's just it's just a matter of time. And it's just a matter of, you know, not you know blaming the messenger or any of those kind of things, which is just, I guess, easy to, for some people to do to kind of get in this mode of like, why aren't you telling me news? Why aren't you telling me right. I need a percent chance of this or that? And it's like, and that it's, it's, that's actually one of the things I wrote in my article is, look, you know, the doctors hate giving people false hope and then having it not work out. They'd much rather say, hey, this is what can happen. This is what else can happen. And they let the good news come from the patient because it's much, much better for the patient to uh, surpass what the doctor says may happen as opposed to the doctor surpassing what the patient actually can do. Right. You know, so it... The doctors that put me back together did a fantastic, tremendous job. But they weren't telling my family 
that, hey, we're doing a fantastic, tremendous job, so don't worry. You know, they're telling my family, we did what we could, but we'll see. Right. And you can't expect anything else from them. And uh, I, oh, real quick, I, I just know it's uh, Andy Barnes uh, did comment real quick. He said, well put, Neil. I second those thoughts and questions thoughts. So I just uh, thank you, Andy, for, uh, for commenting. I appreciate I appreciate everyone that uh, reacted so quickly to my uh, news about this podcast. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if it's any, you know, final final thoughts or whatever. I mean, I guess we can you know, be happy to extend the uh, – you know, if people have questions or, or, you know, thoughts or whatever, then please feel free to, uh, you know, you can send us email, feedback at ffunwithcars.com. Whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah. How's your temporal that, lobe, that, sir? That was close. I don't know. Um, and, uh, and and right on the, the Facebook page and uh, and blog and so on. And uh, in the meantime, we're, you know, we're just going to keep sending out, you know, positive thoughts, good vibes, whatever. Um, Absolutely. To uh, M. Schumacher and his family. Um, we know they need it. And uh, hopefully, I mean, right, if things, you know, continue to progress, then, like, maybe if you hear the show in a couple of weeks, then it's like, all oh, this sounds stupid because it's like, oh, yeah, we heard that news about he's getting better. So, you know, here's just hoping for, you know, just good news as it happens. But don't be bugging them. Agreed. All right. So we will have presumably another show for you uh, in the future before there is an actual F1 race. But, um, you know, uh, whatever. Just keep in touch with us on funwithcars.com. Send us email if you like. Feedback at funwithcars. And uh, feel free to visit us on Facebook and Twitter and all the usual things. And uh, keep in touch with us. And hopefully we have, you know, not much else to talk about involving hospitals, right? Hopefully it's all fun with cars and not so much fun with hospitals from here on forward, right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, cheers to that. All right. Well, here's to that. Uh, until next time, I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner. Best of luck, Michael.